today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Well, guys, you also need to understand that the forgiveness of sin is not automatic. Man has to choose. Man has to determine within his heart, his spirit, the the very core of who he is. He has to choose to receive that sacrifice. And you know what? Even the chosen people had to choose. Look what he says in verse 19. He's speaking to this Jewish audience. He says, repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Did you know that the forgiveness of sins is not automatic? God gave you a choice to accept Him or reject Him. He left it up to you. It's your decision to make. In today's message, Pastor David shares that everyone has to choose, even God's chosen people. You have to repent and accept God's plan for your life. If you choose Jesus, you will live with Him forever in heaven. But if you reject him, you will spend eternity far away from him with the enemy of your soul. What choice will you make today? Now here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapters 3 and 4 as he continues his message, The Power of the Message. Verse 11, a little bit of an overlay here just to catch everybody up to speed. So Acts chapter 3, verse 11 says, Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us? as though by our own power or godliness we've made this man walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just, and you asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the prince of life whom God raised from the dead of which we are witnesses. You know, it's interesting to me, Peter knows nothing about seeker-sensitive messages. He knows nothing about just kind of easing up to the truth. No, he says, you killed him. You called for his crucifixion. As a matter of fact, you asked for a murderer to be released, and you killed the Holy One, God's servant, Jesus. But 
this audience, again, they, they were familiar with the, the, all the events of these past few weeks. They, they knew what had gone on. Many of them had been right involved in all of it, even to that point of saying, yeah, release to us Barabbas and crucify this one. Probably most of that multitude had been there during that time. No doubt, this was a powerful, this was a convicting message to them. But Peter brings them back to the point. Look at verse 16. He says, and his name, that's the name of Jesus, and his name through faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. So instead of digging the sword deeper and, and, and giving it a twist or two. Peter now, he begins in kind of a turn toward compassion, a little bit of a turn toward hope for these that are listening to him. Look what he says in 17. And he says, yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did your rulers. Uh, you know, you gotta wonder. I know that you guys were just stupid in the whole thing. No, he, he you did it in ignorance, and ignorance is not a bad word. You need to understand, ignorance is not a bad word. I am ignorant uh, in, in uh, a lot of things, a lot of things. You don't want me doing your brain surgery, okay? I am totally ignorant of brain surgery. I could watch the YouTube video, but I'd still mess it up. I'm ignorant of that, okay? They crucified the Lord in their ignorance. They did not understand. Paul is, or Peter is giving great grace here as he's sharing these things. You did it in ignorance, as did your rulers. But then he comes even deeper here when he says, but those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets that the Christ would suffer, he has also thus fulfilled. Peter wanted them to fully understand. Guys, you need to understand, even though you crucified him and in your ignorance you did it, you need to know that God is still in control. God has always been in control. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, all of those things were in God's great plan. And it was the very sacrifice of Christ that brought about the availability of the forgiveness of sin to all of the world. But guys, you also need to understand that the forgiveness of sin is not automatic. Man has to choose. Man has to determine within his heart, his spirit, his, the, the very core of who he is. He has to choose to receive that sacrifice. And you know what? Even the chosen people had to choose. Look what he says in verse 19. He's speaking to this Jewish audience. He says, repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began." Peter is now moving the message back to what these Jews understood, what they had been trained with ever since childhood, what they would connect with, and the evidence of the message of the cross had always been right before their eyes, right before their eyes. 
Even, even with the foundation of the covenants and the, and the promises and all the events of the Old Testament, the message of the sacrifice of Christ was right before them, but they were never able to completely connect all of those dots. Listen to what he says here in verse 22. He brings them right back to what they know. He says, for Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet just like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow as many as have spoken have also foretold these days. So he lays out for them the truth of who Jesus is. He connects it with the reality of what they know already in their training as good students of, of the word of God. He comes with this encouragement for them now to repent and he reminds them, he, he affirms them of their position in God's plan. Oh, he also points them back to God's servant, Jesus. Look what he says in verse 25. You, speaking to the crowd of Jews, you are sons of the prophets. And, and you are sons of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. To you, to you as Jews, first, God, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. I believe that at that point in time, as Peter was sharing this, that would have probably been the altar call right there, if they did altar calls back then or at least a time of, of making a decision. What are you going to do with that truth that's been given to you? Paul had gotten to that point of his message, but then right at that time, we're going to see the enemy breaks in and he tries to destroy the plan and the purpose of God. You need to understand this too, gang. Interruptions and distractions always happen. And yes, the enemy still does that today. He will do anything and everything he can to keep someone, even when they are on the very verge of uh, recognizing the truth of the sacrifice of Christ on their behalf, when they're on the very verge of making a commitment of their life to Christ, surrendering their life to him, the enemy's going to draw in a distraction. He's going to do something that will try to keep that from happening. And that's exactly what happens here. Let's move on into chapter four, verse one. Now, as they spoke to the people, as Peter and John are speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. You see, the Sadducees, they didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in much spiritual life at all. And here, uh, Peter is speaking about the resurrection. And man, they said, no, we can't have that. We're going to get rid of them. Verse 3, they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. Guys, you need to see, it was the enemy that was trying to destroy the work 
of the Spirit. But the cool thing is the message had already been given. Even though Peter and John are now in custody, that, that initial message had been given. I believe at this point, that initial wooing of the Holy Spirit within the lives of these men had already started. That convicting work of the Holy Spirit began to sink into their very hearts. That drawing power of the Holy Spirit was already having his effect on the people. And we find that many of these that heard that message that day came to fully accept the message of the gospel. They They understood the greatness of their guilt as well as the power of the cross to meet that need. Look what it says there in verse 4. Peter and John are under arrest. They're being kept overnight. However, verse 4 tells us, however, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. They had clearly heard the message, They had seen the demonstration of the power of God. The Holy Spirit had uh, the the power of God in in healing this lame man. Again, the, the Spirit of God began moving within their lives. And now they're able, as I said, able to tie it all together with everything that they've known since childhood. And even though the enemy of the gospel tried to interrupt that work of the Spirit of God, the Spirit still had his way with a multitude of these men's lives. And they came to that point of surrendering their lives to that greater plan of God, and their lives were changed by the life-transforming power of the Holy Spirit, both then and for all eternity. The word says that 3,000 men came to Christ on the day of Pentecost, and now Luke tells us that the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Now, the discussion is, did 5,000 come to Saving Faith that day, or did 2,000 come, added to the three, making five? You know what? If it was 500, that'd be a lot of people anyway. A lot of people came to Christ that day, whether it be 2,000 or 5,000. A lot of men came to Christ. They came to Christ as a direct result of Peter and John taking a majorly bold step. A bold step of of coming up and telling a man who had been lame for 40 years, we're going to find out later in this verse, a man who had been lame from the womb, to go up to him and say, silver and gold, I, I, I don't have any. But let me tell you what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. That's pretty stinking bold. I don't care who you are. And then they reached down and grabbed that man by the arm and pulled him up. The boldness that's there. They stepped out boldly in faith and a lame man walked. And beloved, not only did a lame man walk because of the boldness of Peter and John, but at least 2,000 more individuals, 2,000 more souls came into the kingdom. That's a powerful thing because of the boldness of that one step. But God's not finished yet. That's the exciting thing. God's not finished yet. That one bold step actually led to an opening up of of actually a, a, a powerful platform for the gospel. And when we look at this, we realize that what the enemy had, had meant to do for evil, God's going to turn it around for good. And aren't we glad that God does that? 
man. He, he did it for Joseph in, in relationship to his brothers, and, and he does it through all of his creation. Peter and John are now going to be able to testify freely, wide open, directly to the highest authorities in all of Israel. That's like taking you to the Supreme Court and saying, why are you doing the things you're doing? Why is your life different than others? What a great opportunity. You know, we've seen in our culture today, because of some court cases and some, again, challenges against individual rights, the individual beliefs of not baking a cake for this one or not doing photos for this one, brought right before the Supreme Court. I would only hope and pray that the message, once it got to the Supreme Court, was as powerful as Peter and John's. Peter and John, they were taken into custody, and the next morning they came, look what it says in verse 5, chapter 4, verse 5. It came to pass that on the next day, on the next day that rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and as, as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. Now, you understand that, that Luke is writing this, and he probably got almost all of his information from Peter as far as what's going on. I can just, I, my mind goes this way. I can imagine the conversation between Peter and Luke, and, and Peter saying, Luke, you, you, you wouldn't believe it, man. The size of the court, the, the, the power of all these men that were in there, it, it, Luke, it was amazing. God set this thing up and he brought all these guys together at one time simply that we might be able to share with them one more time the hope that's in the gospel. God, Luke, th these were the power figures of all of Israel at that time. The rulers, the, the elders, the scribes, Annas, the high priest, and, and Caiaphas, John and Alexander, and, and, and a lot of them from the family of the high priest. And all of them were gathered together, Luke. And John and I, we had the opportunity to share the gospel with them all. Luke, the Holy Spirit just took over, and it was powerful. You see, church, the enemy thought that he was having his way. The enemy thought that he had won because he went out and he arrested Peter and John, got them away from the crowds. But God was one up on them because God was setting a much stronger, a much more powerful stage for Peter and John to proclaim. And again, look down in verse 7. And when they, the rulers, had set them, Peter and John, in the midst, by what power or by what name have you done this? That's a sickum call to the dog, you know? It says like, okay, tell me why you're doing this. And it's wide open opportunity. And Peter, catch it, church, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man by what means he has been made well, 
let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you guys crucified, but God raised from the dead, it's by him that this man stands here before you whole. He brings him back to the Psalms as he declares, and this is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. And nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved. What a powerful message to these rulers, these teachers, these elders of Israel. Verse 13 says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and heard their message, they all repented and fell on their faces. (laughs) No, that's not what it says, is it? They perceived that these were uneducated. They were untrained men. And they marveled. I think, I think they marveled because of the boldness of their, the, of their message. And I'm not, I don't believe that that's probably all the words they spoke, but Luke capsulized the, the most powerful portion of it. They realized they were uneducated, untrained men, and they marveled. But catch this, guys, because this is the most important part. But they realized that they had been with Jesus. You see, it's not just the intellect, it's not just the training, it's not just the education, it's the reality of a relationship with Jesus and Peter being filled with the Spirit to be able to speak these things. Verse 14 says, and these elders, these rulers, these scribes, these power brokers of Israel, seeing the man who had been healed standing there with them, they could not say a thing. They could say nothing against it. Luke, I'm telling you, man, all all I did was share with them Jesus. And the Holy Spirit took the wind right out of their sails. Literally, he, he took their breath away, Luke. They were speechless. They could say nothing against it. And we did look at that a short while, but we need to back up real quick and, and cover it all. Again, Peter and John here on trial. Now that you know, again, all that took place, you can see the predicament that these rulers are in. You need to understand, these guys could have called for the crucifixion or the stoning of of Peter and John. They they could have done it right there. But what was standing beside them, that, that man who was healed, that was undeniable proof of the message that they were speaking. Draw that all together, church. The, the, the undeniable proof of what they're speaking with the lame man standing there, the, the, the fact that these guys understood, or at least they had a head knowledge of the words of the prophets, the promises of God, the covenantal relationship that God gave them. But once again, the kingdom of God doesn't come through intellect and, 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 and the acquiring of more head knowledge that does not change an individual's lives. 
These guys as rulers and teachers of Israel, they should have been able to connect all the dots the same way that the common people did out in the courtyard. Now in the courtroom, they are missing it. And the testimony of the power of God evident right before them, and they missed it totally. Their power and their intellect, I believe, actually got in their way. That's all we have time for on today's edition of The Open Word. Pastor David has been teaching through the book of Acts, introducing you to the early church and how they were radically changed by an encounter with the Holy Spirit. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to let you know how you can listen to more editions of The Open Word. Here's Pastor David. I'm so glad you tuned in today to The Open Word. As you know, this broadcast is meant to share with you the hope, grace, and love that can only be found through Jesus Christ. Would you like to listen to more of them? Well, just visit theopenword.com. You'll be directed to our Facebook page where we're adding all of my previous messages for you to listen to for free. Be sure to like and follow that page and feel free to share it with your friends. That website again is theopenword.com. Thanks, Pastor David. We'd like to take a moment before we close and ask you to consider partnering with us here at The Open Word. Would you pray for us and for our listeners? We know the enemy attempts to hinder the truth of the gospel from being spread. He will stop at no cost to prevent even one heart from turning to Jesus. Thanks for partnering with us in this, and thanks for listening to The Open Word. Do you live in Casa Grande? If so, we'd love to meet you. Come join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande on Saturday at 6.30 p.m. or Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Directions can be found at theopenword.com. That's all for today. Thanks again for tuning in and for praying for the open word.